I love YouTube. I listen to music. I FaceTime my grandparents. I do video games. I make many videos. I watch movies. I like to text my friends. Welcome to the Techno Panic Podcast. Here are your co-hosts, Ian O'Byrne and my mom, Kristen Turner. Welcome to the Techno Panic Podcast, where we discuss living and learning in an age of screen time from the perspective of both researchers of literacy and parents of young children. I'm your host, Kristen Turner, and I'm here today with my co-host, Ian O'Byrne. Hey, Ian, what's been going on with you lately? Uh, not much. It's good to spend time talking with you. I was just at my doctor earlier today, and it was I got into a funny discussion with my doctor, as we usually do, being educators and researchers and dealing with tech. My doctor, after the examination was complete, she said, so what are your thoughts about how often a doctor should be on call with their patient? You know, what is acceptable? So should I have open office hours online where somebody can video conference in to ask me questions, or should I make myself available via email so that they can answer, they, they can send in questions for me to answer. But if I do so, what's acceptable? How quickly should I get back in touch with them? It, it made me think about how many times in our lives we're always on call with patients or clients or even sometimes family members. What, what are your thoughts about being on call all of the time? Well, first of all, my advice to your doctor would be don't go down that road because once you go down that road, it's so hard to pull back in. I've seen the change just being a teacher over the last 20 years where um, email became a or went from a great way to communicate with parents at home or to remind students to complete work or or whatever you might use it for just as an occasional tool to something that completely dominates my life. And I feel like I'm on call to my students 24 seven. And I've actually pushed back at my university sometimes when they require office hours because my students don't often come to my actual physical office, but I feel like they think my office is my email inbox and they're coming there all the time. Agreed. I do the same thing with my classes. I use Google Hangouts, which is basically in, an instant messaging tool so that students can, same thing here, I don't have them come to my office hours. I say basically send me an instant message or a text message and nine times out of 10, I can fix whatever or resolve any, any problem that you have. And I indicate that I will pretty much answer you within 20 minutes most times of the day, unless I'm at a meeting or driving but it's a slippery slope because then all of a sudden you're getting messages all the time. You're getting emails all the time. I think that there might be a need to sort of have some like time when you're not on call uh, that you shut things down. But it seems like even now there is this belief that if you do so, you're being, you're not one taking advantage of these digital tools and two, you're being uh, obstinate to a certain extent. You're, you're sort of like protecting it's subversive if you're protecting your own time and not being uh, available for people to reach out and connect with you. Basically, you're being rude, right? If you're not on call 24-7. Do you see this happening with your children at all, too? Are they feeling like they're connected to their devices or their screens more, I perhaps? I think my children, my kids, seem like they are connected to their devices and screens, but the key thing is that my two children are not hooked by social media yet. What I do recognize is that I feel like a lot of the adults that I see in my house 
and adults that I'm friends with, I feel like they're more connected to these devices because they're more connected to those social signals. So they're more, more willing to say, oh, who liked that video or who sent me a message on Snapchat or who's trying to communicate with me now as opposed to being present. I think for the most part, granted my, my children right now are four and nine, so they're not as tuned into those social signals and what's being sent or not being sent through the social media and the digital text and tools right now. What about your children? Yeah, I think we're starting to get into that phase where FOMO or fear of missing out is going to become more problematic. But like you said, I actually see it with adults in my family and in my friend groups and in my colleague groups as well about how the social media or the need to be online all the time um, because of FOMO or because we're working all the time, like it's it's definitely a problem, I think, among adults. Anything we can do about it? One of the things that was interesting for me uh, as I was thinking about the events with the doctor is a, a group that I hang out with online and, and we frequently interact and share ideas. We have a little private Slack channel, a private space where we can discuss. And so a group of us, we were reading together a book. We were reading together the book about digital minimalism by Cal Newport. And I started to ask myself, well, who is this Cal Newport person and what is digital minimalism and what does this all mean? And so I, I did a little bit more digging. So if you go online, if you search your local YouTube channel, you'll, you'll see there's an influx of videos and content about minimalism. And so minimalism from a little bit of research, it seems like two bloggers, there's probably many origins, but two bloggers, they kickstarted this idea of the minimalist movement. Uh, and we'll have a lot of links in the show notes, but they, minimalism is a lifestyle that helps you question and think about things that add value to your life. So let's clear out all of the clutter. Let's leave room for just the most important things, things that inspire us. Someone that you know and love is going to suggest that we find things that that bring us joy. But basically we think about what are the things that are really important to us and the true things that should be important to us are health, relationships, passion, growth, contributions that you make to the world. Maybe fantasy football is a lot lower on that scale. But minimalism itself is a focus on clearing all clearing out the clutter and focusing on the things that were really important. If we move it to digital minimalism and a lot of the ideas by Cal Newport and others, we're thinking about the digital texts and tools, these devices and apps and networks that we use, thinking about those and which ones lend the most value to your life. Part of this is just the same way that I might go to my house and clear out all of the clothes that I no longer wear and give them to Goodwill, just the same way I might remove most of the books that I've read and donate them to a library or a local school, I would think about my digital spaces. And I think about the, the signals and the noise and the notifications and the updates and all of the different nudges that I get from these digital tools and try to clean out most of the noise that I really don't need. And in doing so, I'm really thinking about optimizing my life and significantly improving my life. Once again, focusing on my health, my relationships, my passion, growth, and contributions I make to the world. So you kind of alluded to condoing, right? And the yeah. idea of cleaning out the clutter. And whenever I think of minimalism, I also think of 
the tiny house movement. Uh, my daughter and I really enjoy watching some of those shows on television as well. So, but I did hear you saying in the description of what digital minimalism is, it's not just about clearing out the clutter, although the noise is part of it, but it's about having a relationship with technology that is focused on what you value and not just habits that you've formed. So you want to really think carefully about how you're using technology what apps and what websites and what practices are actually contributing to a life of value for yourself. Am I understanding that correctly? Absolutely. I think it's also, and we've talked about this on, on previous episodes, we've talked about being a little bit more intentional in our use of tech. We've talked about why are we using these tools? We've suggested in the past that you might be able to when you're home or when you're with your children and you're zombie scrolling through social network feeds and, and different notifications, be a little bit more intentional and overt and say to your children or people around you, I am about to look up this place on the map. I'm looking at this email that just came through. And when you verbalize those things, maybe you can see a lot of the noise that you perhaps don't have to deal with. So just being a little bit more intentional, being a little bit more thoughtful, thinking about why do we use these things? You know, why do I send out the Facebook notifications of the Facebook post. What is my goal in that? And then if I get response to that or I don't get response to that, what does it really say about what should truly make me happy? I wonder if we're a bit too hooked on these things. Yeah, the reading that I've done on digital minimalism also stresses that it's not about pushing technology away completely or abandoning technology. Uh, and I think that's important for us to remember, but asking these questions about why and being intentional in our use. So some ideas that I have seen in terms of moving towards a digital minimalism is um, something like a digital detox or... Um, taking a 30-day hiatus from all non-essential apps. Like you can't really give up your work email because you might get fired from your job, but you probably can give up Facebook because it's not completely essential to, to your well-being and, and um, livelihood. So have you heard about any of these things or particular things that we could try as parents to set good examples for our children? And then maybe even turnkey for our older children who probably need to start thinking in terms of being a little more mindful about their tech use. Absolutely. There are three guides, three tenets that, that I try to use as I think about my tools. And this is in a post uh, that we'll share in, in the show notes by Nick Wignall. And he basically talks about, first of all, technology use should be intentional, not habitual. So our use of tech should be something that there is meaningful use for it, but then it's not something that we are just drawn to and we can't identify why. I think there's a lot of behaviorist philosophies, almost like a, 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 a bell ringing and we have to go back and check those notifications. Or we feel that one of the things in the Cal Newport book is when you feel that phantom buzz in your leg from your phone and whether it may be buzzing or not. The second thing that Wignall says is that technology is for making stuff, not feeling better. So our use of tech should be, we've talked about this in the past, more for construction and building things and sharing things and engaging with others than filling some sort of hole in us and, and filling a, a void in time. 
And lastly, and probably most importantly, I feel, and, and I believe you do as well, that technology should never come before people. That if it's, if it's a decision, one of the decisions that I made, my wife and I made, as we brought two people into this planet is that we don't want our, we don't want a device to be interfering in my look at or my relationship with my son or daughter. They should not look around my phone to see me. So there are different tools out there. There are apps that I've been testing out over the last couple of weeks. I will put these in the notes as well, but apps that limit your notifications to different times of the day. So they might give you a block of notifications first thing in the morning at eight, but not first thing in the morning at five or six or whenever people wake up. And then you get another chunk of notifications at noon and another chunk at five. Those, I took that off of my phone because I was missing phone calls. I was missing hangout messages. I was missing notifications I really needed. And I was not sure why I wasn't getting those notifications. You were missing out on some things, it I sounds like. I was missing out on certain things. Um, <laughs> I've also seen there are different apps where if you leave your phone alone, it will have some sort of graphic where it grows trees on your device and it lets you see that there's growth happening. There are also apps where you can not limit notifications, but you can limit the, your access to specific apps. So there is one app that I'm currently testing out that it will basically suggest different parts of the day, like work, home, or morning, afternoon, evening, and you indicate the, the apps that you want to be able to use during that time, and you remove all of the others. So the launcher on your phone basically gives you some and not the others. And then lastly, one of the really interesting things, uh, and once again, part of this with digital minimalism is perhaps there's a need to start with a, a clean break, almost like a boot camp or a digital detox like, like we've talked about. One of the first things to do might be screen-free Saturdays or turning on the grayscale for your phone. So turn all the colors off of your phone and see if you use it less and you use it more intentionally, use it more for making things and communicating as opposed to just filling time. So there's a lot of different apps and tools that are out there. My concern is sometimes it interferes with how you really knew you need to use the phone or the device and that interrupts why you would use it in the first place. Well, and I think there's a bit of an irony in that we're looking for technology to solve a problem with technology. Because it seems to me to be a little bit about our behavior and how we are interacting. And um, the, these apps in some ways are, are kind of removing the, the behavior, but not the underlying, why are we doing that? There are some statistics that say that adults pick up their phone 58 times per day and spend close to four and a half hours of using the phone. But a lot of that is just kind of automatic or we're in the grocery line with the phone in our hand and therefore we're opening up and going to Facebook and it's an automatic behavior that we're not thinking about. So can an app change that behavior? Is it a way is there a way technology can retrain our brains is the question that I'm asking based on your sharing about these apps. That's what I'm still trying to figure out. I think that I have the same concern. Am I using an app just to fill the need of getting rid of other apps? I think part of it is. Or you don't trust your willpower, right? Or I don't trust my willpower. <laughs> I think part of it is carving out time for you to stay away from the device. That for me is, is the big key. 
and it's simple things like for you when you go and you're you're in the car and you go run an errand do you bring your cell phone with you i try not to um i think it depends i do i think it depends how long the errand is i have gotten into the habit of not taking my phone into the gym I leave it in the car and I lock my car, of course. But it was interesting because I was in the gym today and I overheard someone saying, how do you leave your house without your phone? Who does that? And I kind of stepped back a minute and I'm like, yeah, I, I feel weird if I leave the house without the phone, but I've gotten pretty good about not taking the phone in with me when I'm running errands. See, then my next question was, if you go for a walk or run or exercise, do you bring headphones and a cell phone or a, a device to listen? When I run in the morning, I have my podcasts or my books on tape and I'll listen while I run. You leave the phone in the car. Um, No, not when I'm doing something like running because I really hate doing it. And so I need the distraction to get me through. But I also think it's a good use of time. I love the fact, by the way, you said books on tape. Are you taking an actual tape recorder with you? (laughs) Yes, I do. Why? (laughs) Do you... Uh, what about, uh, do you ever take meetings with students or, or colleagues where you say this is a technology-free meeting? Um, you know, I haven't gotten to that point because I feel like we do so much collaboration on the computer while we're in the meeting. Um, I truly believe that meetings should be about moving something forward, and so you often need the documents. And I always have my phone with me because of our duo security login. So I have to have my phone no matter where I go at work because I may need to log in and then I need that technology to get me into the system that I need to be if I'm on my laptop. Um, So I have not yet just kind of let the phone go there. I think also as a parent, um, you know, when my kids are coming home from school or they need to get in touch with me, I feel like I need to have my phone on because I can't miss that particular phone call or text or whatever it might be. So I, I'm, I, it's not a complete leave my phone and go through my day, but I do try to find places where I don't really need it. So I don't have it. So I think there are ways that we can use apps and tools to watch our use of technology. Most of the cell phones now have like limit, they'll, they'll give you a notice about your screen time. But I think there's other things that we can do, like we've already talked about. You could send out someone a postcard as opposed to sending them a note on social media or a Snapchat piece. You could take a week or a weekend and delete the social media apps from your phone. The social media networks and all of that stuff is still there. It's just, it won't bing you, you know, notify you and, and ping you all of the time. There are ways to perhaps get lost and try to get some spaces. I know Tim Ferriss talks about his podcast, his screen free Saturdays, He also includes the use of ways or maps. When he tries to get someplace, he doesn't use his device to find the map and the direct route. He'll sort of try to figure out how to get there. Uh, Oh, I know some people who would never get where they're going without their Google Maps or their Apple Maps. (laughs) And so these are things to, uh, or, you know, instead of watching a movie, instead of playing video games, play board games as a family. That is a a way to think about our use of tech. And and for me, the big question is, and I think that this is one of the common threads throughout all of our discussions is, how can we get the best parts out of technology, the really, really good parts out of tech, while sort of protecting ourselves or avoiding a lot of the negative parts? 
All right, and this, I think, goes back to that second point that Wignall made, that technology is for making stuff, not feeling better. So a lot of the, the notification settings that we have on our social media are intended to bring us back to that social media app where we might just be hitting like all the time and consuming and trying to feel better about our connections or feel better about ourselves. But if we kind of reposition what we're doing with our technology to be creating something, so rather than just hitting like on somebody's post, we're actually writing a response to them. Or if somebody posts uh, an article, we read the article and ask a question and try to engage in a discussion where we are making or creating or conversing rather than just trying to feel better for ourselves or make someone else feel better because we know that they like us. They like to see the likes on their posts. To bring us to the end of this, one of the things that Wignall says in closing, I think adequately sums it up, digital minimalism is not a rejection of technology and all the benefits and amazing things that we can do with technology. It's about being intentional. It's about being intentional in our use of tech so that we can find ways to allow technology to help us do great things rather than hinder us from living the kind of life that we really aspire to. And perhaps by deliberately removing little bits of tech here and there and being a little bit more intentional in use, we can clarify the parts that are genuinely valuable to us and those parts that are not really that important to our lives or our happiness. And I think as a parent, having a conversation with your child about what is the purpose, what is the most important piece, and making those decisions together is a first step. Because just coming down and saying, well, we're going to have tech-free Saturday, or we're going to do this, or we're going to do that is could perhaps result in some pushback from a teenager or a preteen in particular. But if if you're asking your children, like, why are you coming downstairs in the morning and picking up your phone immediately? Like, what is that giving you? Why is that important? Is it important? Can we rethink this practice together is probably a better path forward with digital minimalism in your family. So I'll send out the list of apps that I'm trying I'll encourage others to try out those apps as well. I'll send them along to you so that you can figure out if you can use them better than I can. Well, thank you. We'll see uh, how well we can do with this and how much balance we can find in our lives. All right. Well, thanks for going to the doctor and, and prompting this discussion, Ian. I've really enjoyed it. And I look forward to chatting with you again soon. Absolutely. Thanks again. Thanks for listening. Now I can get back to watching my videos. Pin it out.